0: Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast episode 22 Spurs stalemate. I'm joined by Jack Davies as always. How are we doing fella?
2: I um, was a bit disappointed after the game but I think we'll take the point onto the next one and just hope we keep up a decent run of form for the next few games.
0: Yep and returning to the pod is good friend of ours Kamal also known as Lumber CSE. How are we doing man? I'm doing great,
1: man. Thanks for having me on once again. Um, yeah, like Jack said, you know, kind of disappointed we didn't get the dub, but overall, I'll take it, I guess.
0: Yeah, obviously, obviously, Kamal is a member of the Worldwide Chelsea uh, pods sort or of family, I guess. And you guys, you know, obviously, <laughs> some of you guys' questions in, you'll know who he is because you listened to his pod. But Kamal, just, you know, I guess a chance for any listeners who listen to us, but maybe not listen to you, tell, tell the listeners uh, what the Worldwide Chelsea pod is about.
1: Yeah, it's just a podcast just like you guys. And we have, you know, the name is self explanatory. We have guests from around the planet just talking about the thing we love the most, and that is our
0: Chelsea.
1: And yeah, that's it. We have articles, we have podcasts, and a great team of guys and gals. Yeah.
0: yeah, the link to Kamal's Twitter as well, and obviously the Worldwide Chelsea pod will be in the description. Below right, Chelsea played two games this week. First off, started by securing qualification for the next round of the Champions League. Happy days with a 2 1 win against Wren. Mason Mount was superb, winning the ball back in his own half to play a lovely through ball for Callum to slot home when given his opportunity to put us 1 0 up. Um, after that, we didn't necessarily create a huge amount. Wren grew into the game more. Eddie Mendy made some big saves before eventually, after giving away numerous corners, Wren punished us and made it 1 all that big, sexy Frenchman Olivier Giroud, came on late on and secured qualification with a brilliant header late on. Secure a 2-1 win. Happy days as Chelsea secured qualification after match day four for the first time in, I believe, 10 years. So good progress there as we next game against Sevilla is a table topper group match. Right, after that, we've just played Spurs. It was nil-nil. It was classic Mourinho, really. But uh, this, unlike his previous attempts at the bridge, he actually had a, fu- well, a well-oiled functioning bus that did limit us to not creating a huge amount. Uh, in terms of notable things to discuss, Werner had a n- nicely taken goal but was ruled out for offside. Mendy had one save to make and you know was just very solid in collecting the ball. Uh, Reese James had a solid performance, put in a couple of beautiful balls but did not get the respect they should have got with Tammy missing a couple of good chances. Mason Mount forced a really good low save from Hugo Lloris late on. Um, it was frustrating. It was 0-0. It was cagey. It was sort of a throwback to maybe your classic Chelsea, Man Uniteds, or Chelsea Arsenal, Chelsea Liverpool's, and maybe the late two thousands. Really, I guess with that display. Except, unfortunately, it was Tottenham and Mourinho who came away with a point, which means they go back to top of the league, and we still stay. Below them. Right. Uh, I guess we now get on to your questions. And unfortunately, one person who perhaps didn't have his greatest game was Tammy Abraham. So I'm just going to go straight into this. It's a bit of a savage opening from Dean. Uh, Jack, is Tammy Abraham a stat padder?
2: (laughs) Uh, I mean, if you look at them, you see... His record against the big big teams is not very good, is it? Um, It almost feels like he needs to get one against the big teams soon because it's sort of dragging on a bit. Um, But I don't know. I think it's harsh to go straight down on him because he has had a really good start to the season um, and he has been a big player for us. But it's just one of those today, like Reese puts in those two great crosses and you he can't do much more as a full-back. Those were absolutely quality. And you just see them, see he gets in front of the man, manages to get in front of the man, just can't quite divert them goalwards. Um, and you just see the Sky Sports camera pan to uh, Giroud and you're just thinking, oh, if only it was him on the end of these. Um, but I think that, I think it's it's quite harsh, that one. So I, I wouldn't say he's a stat padder, but I can see why people would, think that, because he does have these purple patches, doesn't
0: he? Yep. on, um, obviously, I'll include you in that, but also, uh, more perhaps general question. Take on Tammy's sort of overall performance of the game. That was sent in by Adam.
1: Overall performance in the game, you know, it, it wasn't great, obviously. Um, missing those three, I don't want to say they're clear-cut, but like Jack said, you look at Giroud and you think, alright, maybe he's going to score those. At least one of them. Um, but overall, it wasn't fantastic. His hold-up play was decent. His ink-up play was okay. Um, but yeah, you know, he got into the positions, which is a positive thing. But mm-hmm. finishing the chances off is just one of those things that he just needs to work on. I guess he's still young. You know, I'm not trying to defend him. But at the same time, you know, he has, you know, Jack said everything I wanted to say, really. He's, he's kind of, he's been fantastic this start of the season. There's no denying it. Um, you know, if, if he had scored one of those goals, everyone would have been like, yeah, Tammy. And Timo Werner, that link up has been fantastic this whole season. It's just an off game. It happens to everyone. You know, Timo Werner last game missed two golden chances. Game before that missed two as well. It happens. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, El Gaffer asks Goals aside, does Tammy really have a presence in games? Does he really trigger or induce fear in the minds of centre backs? Jack?
2: Um, nowhere near to the. Extent that someone like Drogba did, he'd just bully people up front. Um, but I think he has the potential to be able to do it with his, his height, his stature. Um, it does throw himself about, but uh, what was the first part of the question? Uh,
0: goals aside, does ta- does goals. Tammy really have a presence to... in games? Does he have I a mean, presence?
2: I mean, to be honest, I thought points today he was still his link up play was still good he still got the ball down and held it up and played it out wide all right um and that is something he's massively improved on this season so i think i think that's a bit harsh um but compared to strikers like drogba costa um you can't really compare him to them with what they were like up front with center backs they were the the t- t- type of players you'd uh, like every other club in the in the league would absolutely hate, but you, if you had him, you loved him, and he doesn't have that same that same uh, like fear factor.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Kamal Sam asked, "Do you think Tammy is almost a guaranteed starter despite Giroud playing well? I guess off the bench and Spurs being the perfect game for Giroud. And if so, do you think Tammy should be a guaranteed, almost a guaranteed starter?"
1: I wouldn't go as far as to say guarantee. That's tough, um, because obviously it depends on opponent. Um, I think, I think all of us, you know, I think we all would have put on on our predicted lineups that t- that Tammy would have started and then Werner would have been off the right on the left side. Mm. Um, so I guess it depends on personnel. Um, now that Pulisic is fit and you know Giroud's in the equation, you know, performing like he always does, there's kind of Frank's got some decisions to make. It's going to be tough. I want to see how he goes about these next few games. You know, does Timo finally get a run of games as a nine? Does Pulisic mm. finally get that left wing? Um, but or he could look at it as if this is just a one-off game, and Tammy has been excellent. So does he continue going with it? I'm not sure, but guarantee is tough. I don't think anyone in the squad, besides probably like Thiago Silva, Chilwell, Mendy, obviously the obvious ones, you could say are starting a week weekend out. No.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think we saw that lineup and I don't think we really had any complaints. I think maybe the only complaint was maybe could Kai have started instead of instead of Kovacic, mm. and Kovacic is someone I do wanna get on to a bit later to discuss his sort of performance. But I don't think, you know, we can really I also think it's quite dangerous, you know, Jerude's been getting fifteen, twenty minutes off a bench to then just throw him into a game against Spurs right from the off. I think that might have been a bit risky, but it is just unfortunate that the two chances Tammy had were probably ones Giroud puts away. And then that, Tammy chance, uh, that Giroud chance at the end is that one Tammy puts away, you know, with mm. So it's, it is a tough one. Um, following on from that, Concierge of Crime asks, moving forward, is Tammy the one to lead the line, or do we go with Pulisic, Werner, Ziyech? Or does Giroud get a look in, considering we have great fullbacks who can deliver a killer cross? Jack?
2: Um, I think we've said it before. We want to see Werner going through the middle, but I mean, you you look at how he's even he's been performing. He's played a lot of football recently, and to me, it looks like he's he's burning out a bit at the moment. So he he could even need a rest. So you could even then go and see Tammy up top and Pulisic and Ziyech or Callum coming in. I think I think it's just the beauty of the squad we've got is that the strength all over that attacking all over that attacking front and Um and we'll see we'll see different people playing, I think, especially going into this this uh this month's uh fixtures because we've we literally got a game pretty much every forty eight hours around Christmas. So we'll have to manage it, I think.
0: Yeah. Kamal so throw that question to you. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um
1: there's going to have to be rotation. I don't think anyone's a knock-on, you know, to follow up on what I said in the last question. I don't think anyone's a guaranteed starter anymore. Um, you know, we've got the luxury, like Jack said, we've got luxury, a plethora of attacking talent. So it's just, you're going to have to rotate. There's just no doubt about it now. It's Like Jack said, Timo does look a little bit gassed. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's played every single game for club and country. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, need, he needs a little break. And then we've got Pulisic back, thank God. Kai Havertz on the bench. I mean, this is... I mean, the amount of options we have is just ridiculous. So, I don't think you can say, you know, one is going to start over the other or whether one deserves it more. It's just, we're going to have to rotate if we want to be smart. It's a long season.
0: Yeah, all I will say on that is, I think I said on the previous pod, but I, I think I singled out the Leeds game at home, which is our next Premier League game. That might be a decent one to try and give Timo Werner a rest. Um, mm-hmm. Following on from that, Nave, Chelsea Nave, asks, great account, great supporter of us. Give him a follow on Twitter. He asks... What are your general thoughts on Timo Werner? Because obviously, I guess, being critical, maybe a slightly disappointing last three games from him. Obviously, Newcastle missed golden opportunities, although he did lay on a brilliant assist for Tammy. Rennie missed a couple of really good chances. And today, he took his offside goal well, but he probably he perhaps not involved really in the play much. He, he didn't really see any of the ball. Um, come on, uh, Jack, what are your sort of general thoughts on Timo Werner at the moment?
2: I mean I still think he's had a decent start all some of these people saying he's a flop already is an absolute joke his his stats are still decent um but I, going back to what I just said I think from the especially from the international break as well when Germany got absolutely spanked by by Spain 6-0 I think he's almost got a bit of a bit of a hangover from that that's almost in his head a bit um just yeah it, almost in his head like he was sort of lost his like lethal finish like against Newcastle would have put those away I thought he was I thought he was poor against Wren not even just missing that sitter like there's a few few touches few loose passes um but I think it just, literally just goes down to what we said is he, he the bloke needs a rest He he's played a ridiculous amount of football and you can't keep up that that um level of performance when you're playing this many games. Um, but his time will come. He's on. He's a quality player. You've seen glimpses and I've no doubt he'll he'll go on to be a big success here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kamal, your general thoughts on Team Werner?
1: Yeah, it's easy. I mean, you ask anyone of the big rivals if you want to find Timo Werner before we did, they're fools if they say they didn't want to. You know, Liverpool fans are just piping up because they didn't get him. That's literally it. Um, yeah, like Jack said, you know, he's gone. He's played in Bundesliga. That's one thing. He's coming into the most physical league on the planet. No preseason, COVID, so on and so forth. He hasn't had time to prepare. He's even said he's going up against defenders that are stronger and faster than he's ever played before. On top of that, he's playing left wing, so he's got to track back. You know, he's, he's got to do all this mo- all this responsibility on him, and he's expected to call, score goals, and he still has. You know, his stats are still pretty good. So it's just. Just a little patch right now where he's out of form, tired for sure, needs a little break. No doubt. He's, and he's 24, so there's no doubt he's, he already is on the cusp of being well-classed. And yeah, no, he's, we've got no issues with Timo.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about Timo at the moment at all, because as I said today, the one chance he did take, he took it brilliantly, even if it was offside. Mm-hmm. Uh Next question comes in from Mike One of the most optimistic people So he might be slightly disappointed with but He will be one of the most very disappointed people With the nil-nil considering he thought we'd win 3-0 He asked How are you feeling o- <laughs> How are you feeling overall with a nil-nil draw Kamal I'll give this one to you
2: Oh my god so
1: in, in the moment I, I think we, we we're all kind of upset right? We, were, we all expected We all wanted a win It's Tottenham for crying out loud like we, we hate them I, know, I can only speak myself but You know, I'm pretty sure 99.9% of Chelsea fans absolutely loathe that team with a passion. So, nil-nil sucks. We should have won. We had the chances to win. But then I was like, okay, you know, it's only been 10 games with two points off the top. It's all right. You know, they've got to play each other. You know, all the rivals have to play each other. We still have... As long as we beat the teams around us that we're supposed to beat, then we're okay. As long as we don't lose to the rivals,
0: I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, Jack?
2: Yeah, I was disappointed to be honest. Um, it just yeah, with the, especially with the chances we created, it just felt like we've dropped two points there. Um, and I think if you want to go and go and win it, you've got to win those games at home, and then and then pick up a point away from home, which is what Jose has just done. He'll be honestly, he'll be jumping up and down on that bus on the way home um, with that point. But. The the bright side is at least we didn't lose. Honestly, that would have been an absolute disaster. Would have ruined my birthday tomorrow. So, it, it okay. could have been worse. Um, but, yeah, just like we said, we're just disappointed. But it's it's early on. We're still two points off the top. They've got to play Arsenal next week. Mm-hmm. They've got to play big teams in the next uh, few few games. So... Give it give it a few more games and we'll see where we still are. I think we'll be fine. We'll still be in and around there. Challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah. On the comments on the pod when this is released, make sure you wish Jack a happy birthday. And at least Chelsea <laughs> <Jersey laughs> didn't ruin it like last year, Jack, I believe, didn't
2: we? We ruined it last yeah, year. Yeah, we three. did. Yeah, West Ham <laughs> beat us at home. So uh, yeah,
0: it's awesome. a slight it's a slight improvement. Um yeah, on that <laughs> I'll say, look, I'm never happy with a draw at home to Spurs. I don't think any Chelsea fan is Spurs. Spurs is that one game, you know, it means probably the most. But at the same time, at least we didn't lose to Jose because that would have just been absolutely unbearable. He'd have been giving it the big one. Spurs mates who I never hear from would have been, you know, popping up in the DMs. (laughs) I mean, shout out Baz, he already has. (laughs) Game big loud mouthed over parking the bus for a 0-0 draw. Good luck for the rest of the season on that one, buddy. Um, but yeah, it's Spurs It's not great But we didn't lose So I guess we move on And a follow-up question to that comes in from Corey Who asked, does this hurt our chances of the title with a draw today? Uh, for me, it changes nothing I think a loss Although I, I would have wanted to say it would change nothing Would have been more fatal Because we'd be five points behind them With a tr- with ourselves having a tricky run of fixtures The fact that Liverpool drew this weekend And the fact that we drew with, drew with Spurs Basically means nothing's changed in the, in the big in the big mm. Premier League picture, I don't think anything's changed. I think you're now looking at it and although, you know, it's not great that the three big teams we've had this season we've not won. We drew at mm. United, we drew at you know, and I think this is the first probably corresponding picture from last season but we're actually down points on at this stage. So I think that's, you know, mm. overall, you know, try and take yeah. the positives out of mm. a frustrating draw that ultimately doesn't change a huge amount. And I'll just say no. that I think when we won the league under Jose in 14-15 and City were second, we drew both games with City. So I don't think it necessarily Mm. changes a huge amount. Um, Jack?
2: Yeah, no, I don't think it does. I was just going to say, though, seeing United win today and they've got a game in hand, if they win that game in hand, they're on the same amount of points as us. And I thought that's a little bit of a wake-up call that maybe we're not... We're not quite doing as well as we first thought because it seemed like they were having an absolute shocker, but somehow they could be on the same amount of points as us. I think that's a bit of a reality check to where we are. But like you said, I think we can still we can still mount a challenge with this team we've got. Yeah, exactly. And And with Ollie and with Ollie at the wheel, I'm not worried about United. To be fair, so
0: yeah, exactly. This is sort of their annual under crisis. Pull out the results. It won't be long till normality is resumed with uh, Man United. Uh come on, I don't think I've asked your take or miss. Uh, does it affect the chances of a title withdrawal?
1: No, not at all. Um, 10 games gone, 28 to go. Two points off the top. No, nah, it doesn't mean anything. If we, if we had lost, like you said, five points is oof, uh, it's not a lot, but it's, you, know, you start to have questions. I think we reassessed that come January, that Christmas period is going to be brutal for us. Then we play Arsenal, then literally 48 hours later, we play Arsenal Villa. So that's, you know, at the end of Christmas, come on New Year, that's when we can assess
0: and be like, okay, let's see where we are
1: in relation to the rest. Uh, but yeah, it's too early to say that, you know, we're out of it. Absolutely. Two points.
0: Yeah. And I would, you know, normally add that 10 games in, we'd sort of be in, you know, about, you know, sort of about a month earlier than where we are at the moment, obviously due to COVID and the late start of the season. So it's 10 games in. And I think, you know, we're getting, we're in an all right place being in and amongst the pack, which I think you'd have, you'd have taken at this stage of yeah, the season. Uh, next question comes in from RJ, good, good friend of ours, who was on the pod last week, who asked, what were your thoughts on the approach from Chelsea? Did we get the balance right or were we too safe? Um, Jack, I'll start you off with this one. Were we too safe?
2: Um yeah, I think we almost were too safe, uh, definitely. It, yeah, I mean, both teams, it was... Honestly, I, have, I haven't I have watched a game like that in a long time that was that cagey for us. Um, like I said, literally sat on the end of the sofa, knees just going up and down the whole game, worried. Like, if we made one mistake, those Sonnen came, capitalised and kill us on the counter. So, it was one of those. I mean, first half, we were too slow. Too slow passing it around. Um, the second half, I thought it was a good performance. And that was, that was the one, like Frank said, we, we created enough chances and could have won that game. Um, but, yeah, almost too safe. It just was, again, like the United game feels like both teams were sort of happy to accept the point and just not lose it. Yeah.
0: Um, Kamal? Kamal?
1: Nick, you already know what I'm going to say, man. Um, yeah, 100% what he um, We I know we created a few chances here and there, but we, we weren't really... I mean, the chances we've created weren't exactly clear-cut, I want to say. You know, it was a cross into the box. It wasn't like an amazing shot or goal. And our Mason Mount had two really good chances, but they were traded out of nothing, really. Yeah. So th- you could tell Frank was kind of like, okay, my, my goal is to not lose, but at the same time, let's see what we can get out of it. And I'm not sure if we're going to get into it later, but the subs for me were just, it took way too long. So it kind of goes into this question as well. You know, if you wanted to go for the jugular, then you bring on mm. Kai Habit's a lot easier. I mean, a lot earlier, sorry. You bring yeah. on Poulousek's so a lot easier. Oh, I keep saying it again earlier. <laughs> and then Giroud as well. So, you know, you bring on those three in particular, yeah. you could tell that timing was struggling a little bit. So why do you wait until the AE whatever minute it was? Mm. So, you know, Kai Havertz for me should have come on a lot earlier because, you know, I'm not – I kind of tweeted out something that I kind of not regret the wording of my tweet was, you know, that Kovacic was a bit blur, And I got slated for it because he was, he was good in, you know, linking the two defense and attack. But when it came to the attacking part, he didn't really offer anything. It was like a, a pass here and there. And, you know, that's not Kovacic's game. So, yeah, it was – we kind of set up a bit, for me anyway, a little bit too cautious. There wasn't enough risks taken. So, yeah, we need to, yeah. when you're at home and, you, you know, you know a team's going to sit back, you've got to kind of go for it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I would I would agree. Certainly, the first half, I thought we allowed Tottenham way too much of a ball. You know, mm-hmm. Tottenham were arguably were probably the more threatening side in the first half. Second half, I thought, was a lot better from us. It's still, you know, probably a bit too slow and a bit too passive at times but as I think I said to I said to both of you guys I preferred that performance a lot more than the United 0-0 because we kept, we created some chances and we probably did do enough to win and on the other side Spurs' only chance was Bergwin firing over early on and then Mendy dealing with an easy save from Aurier uh, which was shot from outside the box whereas you know we, the form Kane and Son have been in and the impact Mourinho's had on Kane and just how his overall game has been. And I mean, we saw last week the problems Kane caused that C defense. Yeah. We marshaled them to really well. Yeah. Kane had a really quiet game. Son wasn't involved at all. So yeah, that's, that's, I guess, you know, if we're going to be, if we're going to say Frank was too safe with the approach, I think we've also got to give him credit that we didn't lose that game and we kept them very quiet because that was a very... Kane and Spurs created nothing really You know, Jose can't really Have any complaints with a draw At all after that because Spurs were Pretty, I mean second half I think their expected Goals was naught point 0.0 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> nothing Second half, I do think we could have yeah. made changes Earlier and that is the following question From Manan who asked, As I'm seeing these tweets everywhere, I'll take one for the team And ask, did Frank wait too long to make the changes? Yes Um yeah. JD in our own in our sort of little group chat with Lou, we said, you know, Havertz for Kovacic is sort of the natural one to make. Yeah,
2: I just I think the issue there is he's not fit enough. Yeah, he's not fit yet. Um, coming back from his illness, um, he's it's the, when you have ten, fifteen days off with that illness and you're in bed the whole time. It's it's going to take a while to get back up to full fitness because you've gone from one extreme training every day, playing matches to just doing nothing, and then you're thrown straight back into it. So I can see why why he's holding back, bringing him back, Um because I think if he if he brings him on early or starts him, and he doesn't perform, that bloke's going to get absolutely slated yeah. because he hasn't had the the greatest start. Um, to what we sort of imagined he could have. Um, but yeah, the, especially the Pulisic one, knowing he's fit now, and Frank said that before before the game in the conferences before, definitely that one I think he could have come on earlier, and Giroud, when you see Tammy struggling with those chances. Um, but the Havertz one, I could understand.
0: Yeah, I will also add that Kovacic, I think, was much improved in the second half. Yeah. I think he dealt with Endon Bellet a lot better. Because there was, mm-hmm. I said in the chat, because I nicked it off uh, of someone in our chat, Kamal, who said, End, Ndombele, is everything I want Mateo Kovacic to be. <laughs> yes. and, and, and that was true that first half, because he was, he was causing us a lot of problems at yes. LA, And it was, I was actually very relieved when Jose took it's, him off at 60 minutes.
2: It's just a good thing the bloke can only last about a half or 60 minutes <laughs> with his yeah. fitness. That, that's the good thing. <laughs>
0: Because he caused Kovacic a lot of problems in that first half. But to be fair to Kovacic, I do think he was much improved in the second half, so I could sort of understand why he came off. But the sub to me, the said the sub that said to me that Frank was happy with a point was when he took Ziyech off for Havertz. That was yeah. the sub that said to me nil nil's fine because if other because logically you know we were dominating Spurs, they they'd fully accepted that a point was what they wanted. That was the time you know for Kovacic to come off for. Uh, for, for habits, in my mind, but it is what it is. Uh, Kamal, you sort of briefly mentioned it, in the last question. But Frank, too late on his subs. Yeah, for me, definitely.
1: Um, you know, we 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 can slate. I mean, I say slate. We can we can kind of critique Giroud for that last chance right at the end. You know, maybe if he had a little bit more legs under him, coming on a bit earlier, you know, he gets a feel of the game, he probably scores that. Um, you know, Pulisic didn't really have enough time to get into the flow of the game. He was kind of. You know, he tried, but didn't really have enough opportunities to get on the ball. I can't remember him doing anything, to be honest with you. Um, mm. Zieg, although he did kind of, he didn't look great, you, could, you need to give him and Giroud time together. I mean, it's just the logic behind it. He and Rich James put in the best balls in, on the planet. So you give them chances for Giroud to get onto the end of them. Um, so to me, that logic kind of didn't really make sense. So yeah, it's a long story yeah. short. He should have brought them on a lot earlier.
2: I think he was just waiting to see what Jose was going to do, wasn't he? It was almost like who's who's going to blink first and make the change. Right. Um, especially with them bringing Lo Celso on, someone who's a bit bit more of a creative player. That sort of did change it a bit. Um, right. well, obviously, not going, not in the game of the, not not actually in the gameplay because we we still absolutely battered them in the second half. But the personnel change was. Um, was not a like for like one. So I think Frank was sort of waiting to see what Jose did first.
0: Yeah, yeah. As I say I'll hop back to it at the start. It was sort of a very typical cagey display. And it was a very it was, you know, from I say from both sides, Jose Frank sort of almost channeled his inner Jose sort of at times in that, you know, a very sort of top a ch- typical Chelsea performance from back in the day against another top top side. Um yeah, as I said. I think we did, wait, make, we did wait too long to make changes. Um, guys, we'll be back in part two to continue answering your questions. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. We're still answering your questions. Next question comes in from Dwayne, who asked, was there a formation that would have seen us beat Tottenham or should we have used different personnel? Obviously, looking back at the two games last year, Frank used a three at the back. Which caused Tottenham no end of problems in the League Cup game this year. We saw a fullback, and in the game today we saw a fullback. I guess first part of that question is: Jack, was there a formation? We should have should we have used a different formation, or is it really just easy to say in hindsight? And also the fact that we did create chances to win.
2: Yeah, I think it's literally one of those, isn't it? You who played the three at the back, we draw nil nil, and everyone's having a go at him saying "Well, we've played 4-3 the last six weeks or whatever and we've got results from it why is he changing it again it's just one of those you can't you can't win as a manager to be honest I think he made the right decision going with the 4-3-3 because that's what's been working for us um recently um so yeah, I think that was the that was the best best decision. And then personnel, I mean, we said when the team came out, it was no surprises there based on how everyone's been playing recently. Yeah,
1: uh, Kamal. Yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything. This is the formation I've kind of wanted for a long time. I was kind of on the four two three one train at the beginning of the season, but seeing this four three three is, of the last six games anyway, have been unreal. So yeah, no no formation changes for me. It was just the personnel thing, you know. Second half definitely for personnel. Overall, lineup came out and I was like, "Yep, we're gonna win this."
0: Yeah, as I, say, I don't really think any of us would have, you know, we saw the lineup. I don't think we'd have really, we had any complaints with the lineup, you know. I guess the only thing is, as we sort of mentioned to in previous questions, the subs could have come, could have come earlier. Frank could have maybe gambled that bit early, but I don't think formation cost us stay because We still created a lot of chances and we were still really defensively solid. And again, I will point out, that when we played three of the back against United, although we got the clean sheet, we offered mm. nothing going forward. And we still did give them a couple of good opportunities in yeah. that game. Whereas with 4-3-3 three, three yeah. today, we were much more solid. And again, Definitely. Spurs had fun last week, I believe. Did he have three of the back last week? I can't, Or was it? I don't know. I think you know Spurs uh, might have had a bit more fun because he could have probably pulled two of the defenders out. He, I think 3 for 3 probably would have actually favoured Spurs a bit more in this one but yeah right okay the next question comes in from Carl, who asked might be an odd one but on current form what is our strongest starting 11 okay i'll I'll go first i'll go first to miss i think it's it's pretty obvious for back four goalkeeper and back four stays the same ng at dm mason mount in at the eight on current form I probably would have to say Kovacic over Havertz at the moment, purely because I think Havertz hasn't hit the ground running in the Premier League or in the Champions League just yet. Um, And I think on current, again, on current form, it is Werner, Tammy and Ziyech on current form, purely because Christian Pulisic is barely featured for us this season. But to perhaps make that question a bit, you know, expand on that question, what I think our strongest eleven when everyone is fit, Swap, have us in for Kovacic obviously I mean maybe game dependent Kovacic can come in and I would say Christian Pulisic on the left wing with Timo Werner up top it's harsh on Tammy but I think you know credit to Tammy he's made himself a really strong case to you know not be dropped so far this season and his performances have been good but I do think on our strongest 11 does have a front three of uh, Christian Pulisic, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech, Jack
2: Hundred percent agree. I haven't really I haven't got anything to add to that to be honest, mate. Come on. Hundred percent agree though. Yeah, it's again. That,
1: there's literally not a single thing I would change. Current form, you have to go with that. And strongest one,
0: yeah. It's your second choice again, once again. Fair enough. Next question comes in from Andrew. Also known on Twitter as carefree Give that guy a follow. He's one of the nicest guys on the platform. Just a top, top, all round guy. He asks, can we play 4-3-3 v leads, or is that a pivot match? Uh, Kamal, 4-3-3 yeah, or, no. or a return to the pivot? No, no, no. I don't want to see the pivot again, ever. No.
1: <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> because I, I know that requires Kante being alongside someone that I don't like. <laughs> and no disrespect to Kovacic and Jorginho, I just... Yeah. We've seen, we've seen all three of those players intertwined at some point, and it to me, just not there isn't one combination that works really well. So four three three all the way, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, Jack.
2: Yeah, hundred percent agree as well. Four three three. Four two three one's been sent to the retirement home, so <laughs> we can forget that one. <laughs>
0: And I will just say, I've been banging. I don't, you know, thankfully I've not had to mention it for ages, but I literally banged on, on about the pod for about three or four straight weeks Our 4 two, three <laughs> one does not suit the players we have in this team, uh, but no pivot partnership will work effectively. So, look, I know Leeds are going to be, you know, they a tough game. They looked really good against Everton yesterday, and they have looked mm. the big games this season, but I think our quality will hurt them. And I think, you know, we'll be able to deal with the threat that they pose because I think they've probably got less quality attacking threat, despite how good they are then a lot of the teams will still have faced this season. So no, it is a 4-3-3 for me. I guess the only question on that game is, will we see Christian Pulisic start? Will we see Kai Havertz start? That is the question. But obviously before that is the big huge game against Sevilla in midweek, which is pivotal for trying to top our Champions League group. Right, that was all can, the... can I jump
1: on the lead thing real quick? Yep, go for it. So it seems to me, anyway, on Twitter, that there's not a lot of animosity from Chelsea fans towards Leeds. And to me, that's completely unacceptable. <laughs> like Leeds, for me, are almost on par with, the, with like Tottenham as much as how much I hate them. Like, if, if genuine Chelsea fans, and I'm not mean to call anyone out, but like genuine Chelsea fans who know the history know that this goes back to the 60s and knows that this rivalry is deep. And Lampard and Leeds is specifically... We all know what the deal is there. So like, this game, I want to see fireworks. I want to see us go all out. I want to see us smack them in the mouth. I want to see tackles. You know, I want to see it. Bielsa against Lee. I mean Lampard. I need to see. Yeah, I need, if there were fans at the stadium, oh my god, it'll be it'll be yeah. un, it'll be ridiculous. But
2: you, you know, would have seen more. You would have seen more of that today, wouldn't you? If if 100%. we were allowed the two thousand fans in today, more 50-50s are... flying in. Uh, yep. More pressure on the referee. Um hundred percent. So that'll yeah. be good. It'll yeah. be good to get the fans back and get that underway.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. As I'll say, good luck to any of the two K fans who man who are successful in the ballot for the Leeds sure. match. Yeah, Leeds is it, I, I come thank you for bringing night. that up because I've I mean, I saw on Twitter last week it was bad enough that people weren't minding Jose oh. and Spurs winning the league. I mean, that was bad. Yeah, that, I, that, was honestly, shocking. Kings,
2: that is a disgrace, honestly. <laughs> 100%, 100%. That is 100%. an absolute disgrace.
0: But I yep. agree, but the, the fact that people, you know, I do think people do need to try and understand that the Leeds rivalry, you know, yeah. I mean, ultimately back in the, you know, Chelsea beating Leeds in the 70 Cup final was, was a huge huge moment in the history of Chelsea Football Club as well and there is definitely a lot there and obviously throwing Lampard and Bielsa stop crying Frank Lampard etc <laughs> hopefully next weekend it's stop crying Bielsa when Chelsea get the big big W so yeah Leeds next week will be a huge game um, I, I guess I'll just before we go on to the questions expand on that question I know there's you know, a, s- a severe game midweek but would that Leeds game, would that be a game you guys maybe rest Timo Werner in, given the importance of all South How important Sevilla is midweek? Uh, Me, come on. no. No? Nah.
1: Nah, I'm not resting anyone against Leeds, mate. Sorry. It's not <laughs> um, <laughs> Like I said, we, I, want, sure. I want three points. I want the strongest team. Um, Sevilla, I can... I know how important it is to finish top of the group, but I've got a feeling there's going to be a little rotation there. Um, just because we have to travel to Spain, so on and so forth. Um, the leads, there, yeah, personally, anyway, I don't want to see much of rotation. I want to see the strongest lineup possible.
0: Yep, agreed. And also it'll be important to get back to winning ways. Um, right, now on to non related football questions. Um, I included these because I'm in a group chat with and a couple of these guys on Twitter, and they're just such sound lads. So I'm happy to include them. First one comes in from American Hooligans. Follow him if you want daily Pulisic prop, pretty much. Um, Just general American national team propaganda. So any of our US listeners, make sure you're giving that man a follow on Twitter. His question is, if a bunch of cats jump on top of each other, is it still called a dog pile? Kamal? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm
1: really not sure. I'm not sure what the a bunch of cats is called. So, yeah, I would still call it a dog pile, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, but well, a litter is what you call uh, puppies and yeah, cats, I go. think, in it So,
2: a litter pile too
0: great.
2: I mean, when <laughs> humans, even when we do it as humans, like when we were small, you'd right. call it a doggy pile, wouldn't you? So, if you go and buy that, then you'd probably say the cat one is too. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Next question comes, uh, uh, apologies if I butcher your name, comes in from Michaela. Who asks which Sasha Bo- which Sasha Baron Cohen movie best describes who you are? Um, Kamal,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's easy for me, man. A little bit of allergy mixed with because <laughs> just 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 the London geezer, and then the dictator as well because I like to see myself as a little bit arrogant, you know what I mean? So as as you know, Nick, like I've got a little arrogance about me. So the dictator and allergy know, like, to combine.
0: Yeah. Um... <laughs> Fair enough, Jack. Is there is there such a Barranco movie that best describes you? Are? Um, mind I said, are quite low, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't that's wanna that's like.
2: I wouldn't want to like. I wouldn't really want to like one of those films. To me, yeah. I'd probably probably get in trouble with future employees or employers or something. <laughs> but no, there. I I think watching them honestly, the Dictators, honestly that is so funny that film. Um. And then Grimsby as well, the football, related to football, that's a good one. And then obviously Borat's the absolute classic. It still, still, gets, still got quoted in my uni football team last year. We went on tour <laughs> to Prague and everyone was just saying Borat quotes the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And in reference to that, I'll, I'll go probably a safe, dull answer and say, yeah, the Brothers Grimsby because I'm a, I'm a football fan. Although I wouldn't necessarily just class myself as a hooligan and I probably <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, do some of the certain things that he does. But for people who have a bit of culture and maybe want to see something slightly different, I would recommend The Trial of the Chicago 7. That is a brilliant film out on Netflix. Mm. Very different role from Sasha Baron Cohen. So, yeah, wow. check that one out if you'd like your films. Right, that wraps up this episode of Chelsea Podcast. Uh, I want to thank Kamal for coming on again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Kamal, before you go, drop your Twitter app so that people can follow you. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's at lump of CFC.
1: Um, like you said, you'll post it on the thing. I'll retweet it, all that kind of good stuff. So, easy to find. So, again, thank you both for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: Yes, no, Kamal, it is an absolute pleasure having you on. Unfortunately, it wasn't in a win, but it was still a good time had by all. Uh, JD, thank you as always. So uh, no everyone, make sure you drop us a follow on Twitter, at that Chelsea pod on Instagram. We're trying to be a bit more active on there. So at that Chelsea pod on Instagram. And yeah, share with people. And uh, until the next episode, everybody keep the blue flag flying high.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.